How's everybody today? It is very hot out here, huh? Lord Jesus, Father, we consecrate this time to you. I thank you for my brother Jason. God, I thank you for all my church family today, Father. We ask for um, just, just an overwhelming sense of hope. Um, in such a hopeless world and so many hopeless situations, God, we just uh, pray that your kingdom would shine through. God, that your kingdom would break through today. God, remind us that we are loved, that we are cared for. God, that we are... Um, that we are yours, that we belong to you. God, that your face has turned towards us in love and in favor. God, let us uh, just revel in that. God, let us soak that in today. God, we again, we just consecrate these moments to you. God, we ask to speak. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. You know me, pray, amen. Constrained to be 
Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I Here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts
Just uh, we just ask God to receive today, to hear. God, give us hearts that just can stand and receive what you want to say, what you want to bestow upon us as your children today. Father, we ask for Roger, uh, pray over Roger right now, God, that you would bless his heart, that you would bless his words. Um, and God, we just we just pray we give you this time. God, we invite your spirit here. And we ask for you just to um, speak and move within us, move among us. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. morning everyone I know it's warm out I'm gonna try to make this quick there's some uh, really cool things I want to share with us from God's Word before we start let's uh, thank you for the message Jesse that beautiful beautiful words I'm trying to find him there he is I love that that lyric that uh, that he just sang of God coming with pockets full of redemption I don't know about you but I need him I need that this morning And thank God His Word says that they are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Father, as we read Your Word this morning, I pray that You would open our hearts. I pray that You would quicken our minds to receive the truth from Your Word. And Father, I pray that You would uh, make it come alive in our hearts and also just uh, quieten the voice of the enemy. Father, He is uh, full of lies and... uh, We're subject to that all the time, and I pray that you would just quieten his voice and open our hearts to hear only from you this morning. Amen. One of the things that the enemy tells us often is that we don't have a choice. You know, it's almost as if whether we're living a life of sin or whether we're trying to follow Jesus, we're just along for the ride, and that's just not the case. We're going to see from Scripture that We are told to do things 
that imply that we do have a choice. God doesn't give us any commands that we cannot fulfill or live out. And I know it seems like, like it's difficult at times, but it's not. Galatians 5, I'm going to read, start there. And it says, For we are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Now think about that. Let's just stop right there a moment and rest. That's what he's calling us into. Not bondage, not slavery. We've all experienced that. We've experienced that some this morning, if we're honest, right? But that's not what he's calling us, inviting us into. He says, brothers and sisters, it is freedom is what you're being called to. And he says, so don't, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge in the flesh. But he says, rather than that, so here's a contrast, love and serve one another. It says, through love, serve one another. And then Paul goes on and he says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one thing. One single commandment, namely, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know that command by itself is difficult on most days, right? But we've been called to freedom, and so there's a way of freedom. So what we're going to look at is if he's calling us to something, he said, I'm going to show you what this freedom looks like, and I'm going to contrast that and show you what bondage looks like so that you'll recognize those. And if we recognize those, then we begin to choose the proper things. Remember in the Old Testament, it says, We've, I've set before you today life and death, blessings and cursings. And so he's asking us to please choose life. I mean, you have a choice. The enemy tries to tell you you don't have a choice, that you're a slave to your addictions and all of that, and that's a very powerful bondage. But we do not have to submit to that. So the idea is, if we're called to freedom... What is the way in which we find freedom and we live that out? So he, he goes on, he tells us. He says, but I say, live by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So first of all, there's that command, live by the Spirit. Now wait a minute, I thought we were given the Spirit. Yes, we were given the Spirit, but we have a partnership in there. This is not a passive Christianity. We have a partnership and we have a responsibility. We get to do these things. It's not just a commandment that's hard, that it's, that's, that's made to enslave us. These commandments are for our freedom and it's a way and a path in which life and freedom comes. So he says, live by the Spirit and you won't carry out all these desires of the flesh. Now here's these next lines, we're going th this sounds very familiar. It sounds like what Paul's writing in Romans 8. He says, "For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the spirit, and the spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you cannot do what you want. How many have felt that way before? I know I have. Often. But he says, Here's the command, live by the Spirit. He goes on, he said, now, but if you are led by the Spirit, so he says live by the Spirit, now a little different shift of words. He said, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not in bondage, you're not under the law, you're free. 
So here's the, the, the idea. We have a choice of who leads us. He says, so if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're free. And he goes in to talk about, he said, now the works of the flesh are obvious. <laughs> I love how he puts that. It's pretty plain. All of us can identify with some of these. Listen. He said, Here's, it's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, drunkenness, carousing, and similar things. He said, he said I could go on with this list. I'm just going to encapsulate it. And similar things. Those are the works of the flesh. We've all experienced those. We've all been led at one time or another by those things. But he says we have a choice. We can live by the Spirit, not live by this. We can be led by the Spirit, not led by our flesh. And he says now, here's, here's, he keeps going talking about this life of the Spirit. He said now, the fruit of the Spirit. Why does he use that metaphor? I think it was very intentional. Paul was a very intentional writer and he calls it fruit of the Spirit. And he don't say it's a bunch of fruits. We're going to go through there and read them. But it's one fruit. It's different facets of one fruit that we are to produce. Where does fruit grow? Fruit grows on trees or in an orchard or in a garden. Now, I love to garden. My wife, Miss Faith, always has a garden. And uh, I'm what you call a gardener's helper. She calls me farm boy. <laughs> and it's not. And you know, let me tell you something. When we planted our garden year before last, we, just, we tore everything down. We decided to do some raised beds instead of just tilling the ground because we wanted to have really good soil. So we took compost. Man, I was grinding stuff up, putting leaves in there for year or two we were letting that compost just kind of uh, decompose and we would add stuff to it and we prepared those beds a couple years ago and prepared the soil so that it would produce good fruit now we can do that that's what our jobs we are to prepare the soil we're to plant the plants and we're to water them and care for them and then if we do that it's still dependent on other things, right? The sun, we're not in control of that or how many days of sunshine we get, but that's absolutely necessary for photosynthesis to happen. You remember that in school? This thing happens when it gets sun and it begins to produce life and it begins to grow and water comes. We're not in control of that. Now, we can water it with a garden hose, but are we in control of the rain? No. Creator is. God is in control of that. But we have a job to do, do we not? We have a partnership in this. If we want to have the, the garden, if we want to enjoy the, the harvest, we can't just like walk out in the yard and go, well, don't have any tomato plants growing this year. I will and walk off. No, we prepare it. We plant it. And then we depend on the one that grows it. Now, if I went out there the other day and I picked a tomato, one of the best things to eat, on a hot summer day, is a tomato sandwich. Now, you can go BLT, you can go all the way, but I didn't. I just, listen, slice the tomato up, put a little bit of Duke's mayonnaise, it has to be that, and a little salt and pepper on bread. That's the best sandwich you ever eat. But if I'm eating that sandwich and I look at that tomato as I'm slicing it up and I'm like, look what I grew. 
You know, y'all let me buy with that. Okay, we grew a tomato. But did I really grow it? Did I really grow that tomato? No. Now, I had a job to do. I prepared an environment in which that tomato could survive and grow and produce. But God great gave the increase. This is what this is a very hopeful picture, you guys. The fruit It's not all up to us. He does it. He began the work in us. He says, not only did I begin it, I'm committed to complete that work. In the middle, there is responsibility. And it's not too hard. Now let's read that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wait a minute, self-control. Wait a minute, I thought this was fruit of the Spirit. I thought this was all spirits doing. No, there's, there's some of our involvement. Self-control is one of the evidence that that fruit is growing. Again, we're to become gardeners in our lives. And we're to choose the way. Are we going to let just the works of the flesh? How many of us feel good after... Those things that we read earlier, just a lot of outbursts of anger or drunkenness or sexual immorality and all those things, does that make us feel good and does it produce life? It may make us feel good for a moment. Does it produce life and produce good fruit? No. But he's like, there's another way. It's being led by the Spirit. See, we, we do have a choice of how much influence these things have. I can have a choice to let all of these other things of my flesh and my own carnal nature lead me, and I have a choice. I can give it full influence. No inhibitions, just whatever happens, whatever I feel, just go. I can allow that to influence me, or I can be influenced by the Spirit. I have a choice of how much Spirit I allow to influence my life and my garden. To me, that's hopeful, you guys, because there's a purpose. He said, what is the purpose? Remember where we started out, the purpose was that you love love and serve one another. There's a very similar scripture over in Philippians 2, and I'll finish with this picture. But it's a very similar structure. If we look at what he just said, he's like, look, I'm doing the work. I'm beginning the work. You choose who you're led by, and here's the fruit that it produces. It's a beautiful thing. In Philippians 2, he begins, and he starts out very similarly. He said, instead of being motivated, this is Paul writing still, by selfish ambition, each of you should, in humility, serve one another. You should treat other people as more important than yourself. So you see that service, that humility? And he goes on to say, he says, you should have the same attitude towards one another that Christ Jesus had. So here's the thing. Here's who we're supposed to follow. Hey, Jesus had this. You should have this too, right? And what happened, the purpose is to love and serve one another. And he goes through. So Jesus did this. You're supposed to have the same mind. And here's, he gives a description of Jesus. He says, Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, I mean, he was God, did not regard equality with God as something that had to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking on the form of a servant by looking like other men, becoming 
sharing in human nature, becoming human like we are, he humbled himself. See that same word? He said, you're supposed to have that same word, same uh, uh, spirit in us. And he became obedient even to the point of death. And he was highly, because of this, he was highly exalted. Now, when Paul writes there, he goes, now listen, here's what Jesus did. And he was highly exalted. And then he goes on down, and he says, so then, therefore, since this happened, this is what Jesus did, and he was exalted, therefore, as you've always obeyed, continued obeying, and he says something really interesting here. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, or with awe and reverence. Now, wait a minute. Is he saying we should work, works is what saves us? No, he didn't say work for your salvation. That's not what he said. He said to work out your salvation. We have a term that we use in the English language, walk it out. That's what it looks like. You just walk it out. Are we the ones starting us on that path? No, he is. Who's going to complete it? And who's going to finally exalt us one day according to that promise? He is. What's happening in the middle? We're working out our salvation. A picture of this. Let's say, it, uh, let's say that you and some of your friends, you love to go out, maybe you like to go to a, a party and eat and have just a really good time, a lot of good laughter and fun, and I come up to you and I say, Bradley, I'm going to take you, I told him I was going to pick on him. I'm going to take you and Sam, all your friends, I'm going to take you, you're invited, to go to, I don't know, where's Emeril Lagasse's restaurant? He's a famous chef. I don't even know him, but I think he cooks good. But he's invited you guys to a special, like he's going to cook exclusively for you, a private party, and then he's going to join you. If you'll come to his restaurant, he's going to fix a private meal, cook for you guys, and just throw a party for you and your friends if you'll come to his restaurant. So that's the promise of future exaltation, right? Something to look forward to. That's motivation. So I tell you, if you'll pack your bags and go, he's going to do it for you. So what's your job? Pack your bags and go. And so you begin to think about that. Well, wait, where is that? Where is that? California, New York, New York? I, I can't go there. And I say, no, 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 look. I've bought tickets. I'm going to pick you and your friends up and drive you to the airport. Now, this, this ain't original illustration with me, but I'm making it personal. If you guys will pack your bags and go, I'm going to pick you up. I've bought the tickets, and I'm going to fly you out there, and you get to enjoy this. Here's what he's saying. So, he's saying, therefore, my friends, work out your salvation. Now, this ties in. Listen to it. Stay with me. And he says, there's a therefore, and then there's a because. He said, because, or for, the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort. Some translations say the will and the work. The one bringing forth the desire and the effort is God for his good pleasure. So here's what it looks like. You got a promise of future glory, Right? The one who's going to provide and give you the desire and the effort and the strength and the ability to even go is him. But what's in the middle? you got to pack your bags and go. He's provided to get in there. 
You still have partnership. You still have responsibility. There's something. This isn't passive. It's not just sitting here like a bump on the log. And it's like, Lord, produce good fruit in me. Here I am. No, he's like, I don't want that. I don't want a robot. I want someone. That's why he gave us free will. Because free will, when it chooses. Now, my wife loves me. I'm very confident of that. And I love her. If this was an arranged marriage where she had no choice, and you know, some cultures do that, and I wasn't positive of her love, or let's say she was an AI robot, and she would come up to me every day, I love you, does that mean the same as someone who has a choice and chooses us? No, see, there's a difference. God didn't make us that way, but He delights when we choose Him. He delights when we choose Not death, but life. He delights when we choose blessings and cursings. And he's even empowering us. He's the one that says, Paul says it here. He's the one that works in us both for the desire and the effort. The will and the do. He's the one. And he loves to partner with us. And we get to benefit of having the fruit. We enjoy the fruit. And I'm telling you, when you've when you see that fruit at work in your life, you will feel good. There is a residual benefit. We get to, we get to live that out. We get to enjoy the benefits and the peace of mind, the peace, the patience, the joy. When our joy is stolen, when we feel like we're not loving people very well, we got we to gotta stop and take assessment. What's going on here? Now, the other day, I came out of the house. I'd been gone for several days. I come home and I look at the garden and I'm like, some critter has been in this garden. There were plants pulled up, stuff, I mean, and I went out there and there were some little bugs. I picked some of those bugs off, but no, this was a critter. Now, I got a fence around my yard and I know a deer's not jumping over. I hadn't seen one of those in a few years in my area, but something had been disrupting my garden and destroying my fruit. And I was pretty hacked off. So I started watching. Next morning I get up, I go out there and look, and lo and behold, we got some chickens in the backyard. I love my chickens now. I love them. They produce eggs. But I'm about to kill some chickens because I looked out there, and two of my favorite little chickens was in that garden, and they were scratching and throwing. And I watched one root up a tomato plant and throw it over over the side. Now, if I'm passive... I'm just like, well, you know, there's not any fruit in my life. Look, when Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart because that's where everything of life flows out of, that's another picture of this, tending your garden. The enemy sometimes comes in and these critters, whether it's a, a chicken or a deer or something else, they will get in there and tear it up. We have a choice then. Are we going to allow this? Or are we going to run them up? Now, I didn't shoot them. I really wanted to. I love fried chicken too, but I'm really wanting eggs. And so I just took the garden hose and I went out there and shoot them away and I, I gave them uh, some good incentive not to come back. And I've been doing that every morning. I've been, uh, they get close to it, boy, I open up on them. Some of you got some weeds in your garden choking up. I know I have. What do I, I have a choice. I have a choice. I don't want that. I don't want the works of the flesh. I'm going to weed that stuff out. I want it to produce good fruit. I want it to produce love and joy and peace. Those are good things. I like those things in my life. 
Now, Paul goes on at the end of this. He says, if you do all this without grumbling and, and all that, he said, you will shine as lights in the world. Living in a crooked and perverse generation, you will shine like lights in the world. Guys, that's the result. We have a part to play. Again, it is not for your salvation. He didn't say that, because remember, Paul would be con contradicting himself. He says in, in Ephesians 2, remember what he said in Ephesians 2? He said, by grace you've been saved. Through faith, not of your own doing. It's a gift. Not a result of works, so no one can bo boast. So guys, we're, our salvation isn't dependent on what we do. But our life in the kingdom, our life in the production of fruit and the influence, the light that that shines in a perverse world is up to us partnering and being led by him, not being led by the flesh. So Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would remind us as we go through the week of this truth. Father, I know I need that reminding. I sure did last week. Father, let the word have its place in our life and let it grow and may we produce those fruit of the spirit and reap the rewards and the benefits that you've promised. Thank you for providing that. Thank you for providing both not only the desire, but the strength and the energy, the effort. Not only the promise, but the power to do this and to walk this way. We thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.